What is a teraflop? Uh, a million flops. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. We're back with episode 65 of the UK Tech Weekly Podcast with an all-star manal to get you going. I've got Scott Carey, online editor of Tech World. Hello. Uh, Lewis Painter, senior staff writer at Macworld and Tech Advisor. Hello. And staff writer of those titles, Don Preston as well. Hey. We've got two topics for you this week, and we will try not to mansplain any of them. You'll see why later. Uh, but first of all, we're going to start off in sunny Los Angeles, I believe, gentlemen, uh, with E3. Yes. What do the E's stand for? Uh, oh, God, it is because there are three E's. Electronic Entertainment Expo. Yes. Oh, you're good. Okay. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there's a lot of games, so I hear. Many, many and so games. I have been made to write about. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Dom and Lewis in particular, why don't you tell us why everyone should so- be so excited about um, a nerdy games event? Uh, well, I mean, it's, E3 is the biggest nerdy games event of the year. Every <laughs> that year. was said with love, not with, uh, yeah. <laughs> not with scorn. So it's kind of when most of the big companies uh, hold their biggest game announcements and hardware announcements. Uh, so the big, big news this year was uh, the Xbox One X, which is Microsoft's new mid-generation console. Why didn't they just stick confusing with Scorpio? Oh, so, uh, I know, Scorpio is a horrible name no. made by a 12-year-old boy. Uh, and But Xbox One X is sort of rubbish in its own way because it sounds exactly like Xbox One S, which is their other console. Which uh, is cute, the tremendous kind of, confusion. So the Xbox One S, for the listener, is a slightly souped-up version of the Xbox One. Yeah, so it's, it plays all the same games, but it will sort of do uh, 4K graphics at 60 frames per second, in theory. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just it's the same stuff, but more powerful hardware to play the same things and so make them all look better. what's the X? Uh, X-Stream. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so were you just describing the X there, or the S? The S, oh, so the, that was yeah, the X. Yeah. The X is the souped up one. The S is, <laughs> is, is the just, it's it's a slightly redesigned Xbox One. You can't buy the original Xbox One anymore. The Xbox One S is basically the same console in a slightly smaller, prettier case. Okay. And a very minor hardware tweak, but nothing that matters. It's got four play, uh, 4K media playback as well, doesn't it? But not yep. game support. Yep. Um, but yeah, basically, so now if you want an Xbox One, you can get that Xbox One S, or from later this year, you can buy the Xbox One X. Um, and yeah, it, it it's sort of the X is a rival, I guess, to the PlayStation Four Pro. Yeah. Though Microsoft are talking some absolute nonsense about that, oh. and, and Microsoft <laughs> are claiming that the PlayStation Four Pro is so underpowered compared to the Xbox One X. Yeah. That the PlayStation Four Pro is actually a rival to the Xbox One S, their like lower spec console. Okay. Um, which uh, has just been met with howls of derision by everyone in games media <laughs> because this is plainly not true. Okay. They've got to say something though, right? Yeah. <laughs> got to talk it up somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it is fair. The Xbox One X is, is... So the PlayStation 4 Pro is Sony's sort of more powerful version of the PlayStation 4, so it's, it's in that same kind of place. Mm-hmm. The One X is definitely more powerful than the Pro. Oh, yeah, 100%. What is a teraflop? Uh, a million flops. <laughs> that, what he said... <laughs> I'm going to cut just that audio <laughs> and use it as my text tone. <laughs> I don't even um, know if that is actually it. <laughs> maybe right, maybe right. a million flops. I like that. I like that. So um, the way I understand it, we were talking about this previously, is that this is like a sort of a stopgap console for Xbox before they release their big next gen one, which will go up against PlayStation's next gen I mean, it's, it's, it's a really weird kind of idea because um, it's the first time they've done this kind of mid-generation upgrade. Yeah. Uh, usually, you know, consoles are quite weird in the fact that they'll be um, kind of in line with PC when they're released, but yeah. then throughout the years, PC becomes stronger, console stays the same, and then they'll bring out the new one. Yeah. 
which was the same with the PS3. Um, but yeah, the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X kind of signifies that, you know, PC gaming, uh, you know, power and the, the, the kind of graphics behind these games, it, you can't wait. You can't wait five, six, yeah. seven years for another console. Yeah. Because you'll be left so far in the dust, it's insane. I think it's also a question of them tapping into that. I think basically the games console manufacturers have been eyeing up the way the phone market works, where people will replace their handset every two years. And they're just looking, saying, hang on, we're waiting, asking people to replace their console every six years. Why are we waiting that long to make (laughs) someone spend another few hundred quid on some new hardware? Yeah. I was was kind of half hoping that the uh, Xbox One X would be uh, modular and kind of upgradable. There was some rumor about that before it was announced. Like a PC. Like a PC, exactly. I mean, that to me makes so much sense because... You know, instead of having these these big launches every few years, you can just switch it out as you, as you go. I suppose along. for the mass market, what they need to do is try and get people spending who who won't want to do that because yeah. Yeah. isn't the mostly the attraction of these consoles is people don't want to fuss about with it's, uh, yeah, upgrading. It's, it's the simplification that you can just buy one thing and, and that plays all the games that you know for that console, and you yeah. don't have to mess around with and it. the games you already own as well. Screw with yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. And how much is it? Four hundred and fifty pounds in the UK, five hundred dollars in the US. Is that good? Uh, I, I think it's a bit high. I don't know. I was expecting around £500. Right. Based on what they were saying before it launched, they were like, this is not going to be a standard device. It's going to be a high-end premium device. You're going to pay more for it. So I thought they were they were kind yeah. of raising everyone's expectations yeah. about pricing. sounds all right. It's, okay. it's, a, it's, a, it's cheaper than the equivalent PC. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, if you're tr- to try and build a PC with that hardware, you'd pay a lot more. But it is £100 and $100 dollars. Uh, more than the PlayStation 4 Pro, which is its oh, closest okay. console right. equivalent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then in two years, so they want you to spend the equivalent <laughs> yeah. again. But you've also got to think in terms of the way that, you know, it's not coming out till November 7th, I think. Mm-hmm. So Sony has five <laughs> months to announce a price drop on the PS4 Pro and yeah. turn that £100 gap into a £150 gap. Yeah, And it's hard not to see them doing that just to really stick one up to Microsoft yeah. and uh, make it look like a really poor value proposition. Well, that's obviously why... Uh, Microsoft are so keen to big up how much more powerful it is because mm-hmm. they exactly. can probably recognise the, the threat of that. Yeah, they don't want that comparison. They want it to sit in its own class yeah. above the PS4 mm-hmm. Pro. I'm not sure Sony's that fussed, to be honest, though, because they, they announced recently that they've sold 60 million PS4s and PS4 Pros, <laughs> mm. and that's nothing compared to Microsoft and the Xbox One. They they didn't announce numbers for so long because they were so low compared it's, to PS4. They're really? definitely flagging yeah. in sales, Microsoft. Um, my, my little bro finally traded his uh, Xbox in for a PS4 Pro the other day, and I've never been more proud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel so happy right now. It was a great, it was a great <laughs> moment. Is that what part of this war is, then? They have to keep one-upping each other to try and... Because well, people are obviously loyal to their brand. Mm-hmm. Are people going to switch to PlayStation because of this? Because of a price difference? Um, I think it's a, it's more than one thing. I think if it's yeah. if it's cheaper and the games are better, because Sony, ha- you know, while while uh, Microsoft were pushing the hardware this year, Sony have been pushing the games and the exclusives that are coming to PS4. Yeah. So what what, what we got? Days Gone. Days Gone is a big what PS4 exclusive they're pushing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the kind of their new zombie game okay. for PS4 that's coming out. But it looks very different to kind of the standard zombie game because in, in most zombie games like Resident Evil, you kind of face up against and then three or four or five zombies at any one time. But in this game, it's it's kind of scaled up. So you're being chased by like 20, 30, 40 yeah. zombies all at once through no, these kind of open no worlds. <laughs> you have to kind of work out ways, like, you know, while Not you're running, you're running away from stuff. <laughs> you have to make sure that you have to kind of work out ways to get rid of them in time, to take them out bit by bit and, you know, whittle those numbers down until it's something manageable for you to take out. And that kind of thing seems so exciting because that's so different to what you've got at the moment. 
Can't wait for that. Is that VR as well? No, sadly not. not. I yeah. wish it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But also in terms of exclusive, like on the Horizon Horizon with PS, you've got two big ones coming, haven't you? You've got, I don't know if these are both exclusive, so you can correct me, but um, Last of Us and Red Dead. Uh, Last of Us Part 2. Last yeah. of Us Part 2 will be exclusive. Uh, Red Dead won't be. Okay. Yeah. But they're also, they're two we didn't see anything more of at E3. I was really good. They were both no shows. What, what games-wise so. were you excited about at E3 then? Uh, so, I mean, the big one for me, I think, well, there are two big ones, but Beyond Good and Evil 2 uh, was really exciting for me. So that's a sequel to so cult classic PS2 Xbox GameCube era game. Uh, so this is 2003, the first one came out. Yeah. They started, they announced they were making a sequel in 2008, released the first teaser wow. trailer, 2008. <laughs> uh, since then, there was some leaked footage, so 2010, 2011. A couple times it was came to be on hold, then back in development, then back on hold, then the publisher said it was on hold, the developers said it wasn't on hold, then the development studio <laughs> shut down, but the team that were somewhere else started making it again. And <laughs> it's sort of about October last year, they finally confirmed it was actually back in production like, fully. They're actually making it. Like Chinese democracy by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> but when yeah. that came out after 20 years, it was crap. Yeah. So uh, is this going to be crap? That is the fear. So <laughs> they, they put all they've shown at E3 was a cinematic trailer, which looked absolutely fantastic. So it's a big like sort of sci-fi thing. Weirdly for a sequel. Uh, so it's a number sequel. It's just called Beyond Good and Evil 2. But it's actually a prequel, um, which is a bit odd, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but they've so gone... easily just called it before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so the big the big Uh, question mark here is it's very early in development and they are being hugely ambitious about what they say they want to do they want to do a big open world sci-fi game they want to do that sort of no man's sky thing where it's all procedurally generated universe that that could go wrong except they're claiming to be able to do all the things no man's sky couldn't do so they're saying you can go straight from ground up to space (laughs) like seamlessly get into a ship on the ground and fly it straight up. No, right. like, cutscene loading in between. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, they're talking like amazing kind of nonsense stuff, like the star system's all actually going to be generated with actual planets orbiting suns, and that will then affect how the sunset and sunrise look when you're on a planet that is actually determined <laughs> by the position of those orbiting, like, celestial bodies. Uh, stuff like that. So there's a lot they're trying to do. They're very early on. We have no idea. They haven't even announced platforms yet. We don't know when it will come out, what it'll look like. But there was a trailer at E3. There's a big cinematic trailer, so no so gameplay, gameplay, just no CG game. footage, um, which cop, looked very cool. Cop out. Um, <laughs> the, the difference between this and No Man's Sky is it's a much bigger team. It's from Ubisoft, so they're one of the world's biggest publishers. It's a big team working on it. There's a lot of money behind it, uh, whereas No Man's Sky was obviously started out as a very small yeah, project. True. So, um, But yeah, there's a lot of question marks, but it looks pretty exciting. Mm. What about you? Oh, it's a hard choice. Hard choice. It's between Assassin's Creed Origins and Far Cry 5 for me. And Assassin's uh, Creed Origins, you can buy a £700 version of it. It's <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. insane. <laughs> what, actually, tell me, Don, what comes with that? Uh, you a... get some... I hope you get a scimitar. <laughs> you get a, a, a sort of 30-inch tall numbered statue. You get, obviously, all those season pass DLC. You get a hand-drawn map. Uh, a few other things. I mean, it's, it's absolutely... A bag it's, of Jason Bourne's hair. Totally <laughs> There's nothing in it to be worth seven hundred. So yeah, I would just be paying for the uh, standard version. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 he's Prince of Persia, isn't he? He's not, oh, he's, he's not Assassin's Who Creed. Who is Assassin's the Creed? Fast. Fast is it Fast yeah. 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 <laughs> Good Prince of Persia reference, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Assassin's Creed looks really interesting because they they had a year off last year. They were like, Do you know what? Because Syndicate didn't get the warmest reception. Yeah. Um, so they're like, Do you know, what? we're going to take a year off. We're going to do what we're doing. Um, 
and then we'll come back in 2017 with something brand new. And this is what they've done. They have taken it way back to ancient Egypt. Uh, it's where the, it's the start of the Assassin Brotherhood. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, there are some uh, different... Uh, there are some changes in the game that kind of make it a lot better. Uh, like, you can explore underwater. Um, like, in, this, in previous Assassin's Creed games, you can always swim, but you can never go underwater. And obviously in this one, you can, so you can explore underwater wrecks and stuff like that and find yeah. treasure, which adds a kind of new dimension to the game. Sweet. Also... Instead of eagle vision, you've got an actual eagle, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> big up, very big, big up. Oh, yeah. Bird of prey is always an upgrade about. in my book. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, do you know, I mean, it can't go wrong with that, really. So no. you, you can just you can summon your eagle with um, a, a tap of the directional pad, and you'll get a kind of a bird's eye view of your location. You can scout out uh, people that you need to take out, kind of interesting areas and stuff like that. Yeah. But apparently, it's quite. Uh, I've read some hands-ons from E3, and it's a quite a fiddly mechanic to get used oh, okay. to compared to the uh, eagle vision. They've got a few months to polish it, though. Yes, well, I mean, you'll um, be fine by the time it comes. I would have out. loved to have been in that production meeting. It's like, yeah. What can we do with eagle vision? <laughs> <laughs> I know, guys, I've got it. <laughs> a real eagle. <laughs> and I hold. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing that excites me most about Assassin's Creed Origins is actually just the setting. I've never really played many of the Assassin's yeah. Creed games before, but an ancient Egypt setting is the sort of thing that makes it go, oh, well, I'm Ooh, quite tempted. Exciting, yeah. It's a bit underexplored in video games. They just seem to get the game. settings right. Like, I, like, I'm not a huge fan of the series, but, like, when they did the one that was set in, like, um, New England, like, mm. at, like, the turn of, like, that... Um, time when there was all the like the ships coming in and I saw the trailer and I was like yeah I'm in I'm into this like this looks great this looks like somewhere that I want to go yeah they've kind of taken the best bits from all the previous um, games and kind of moulded them into this it's like it's the biggest map they've ever had and the most varied map they've had so they've got you've got kind of you've got oceans where you can do all the kind of ship sailing you can have battles on the oceans you can have battles underwater Nice. Which I'm really interested to see how that. The only plays thing out. is, like with Assassin's Creed, a lot of the game tends to be like running along rooftops and stuff. Whereas, yeah. like ancient Egypt, what, yeah, got, like, they, one they, story yeah. tends <laughs> quite different in this yeah. one. There's, there's not loads running of really tall buildings. <laughs> they God. do, they do show them sliding down a pyramid in the course. Trailer, so <laughs> that will happen. I'd be do. disappointed if they did it. Yeah. Well, it's going to be better than the Tom Cruise mummy vehicle. Whatever yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there anything? non-Nintendo before I steer your ship that uh, way. Yes, yes, I can talk about some other non-Nintendo things before I just Nintendo all over the place. <laughs> yep. uh, <laughs> uh, Anthem is one of my other big highlights uh, of this year. So, um, so this is a newly announced game from Bioware, who are the uh, the best known for RPGs, so they made the Mass Effect and Dragon Age games, yep. uh, and also the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic series. Oh, that's a good game. Yeah. So this is basically Bioware doing Destiny. So uh, Destiny came out a couple of years ago and we got Destiny 2 this year. Yeah. Uh, sort of pioneered what's now becoming a genre in its own right, which is the sort of MMO FPS. So it's sort of online multiplayer shooter that fuses the sort of action elements of a uh, shooter with some sort of light role-playing elements and sort of character progression, leveling up, gear, loot, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Anthem is basically in that line. It's not a first-person shooter, it's actually third-person but it's the same kind of like sci-fi setting. You play online. You sort of control these exosuits that you can upgrade, and that determines your abilities. But you can also have different ones, so you sort of build a collection of different suits. So it seems like you don't have to commit as much to I'm this character. These are my powers forever and ever. You yeah. sort of have build up a selection of different kits. So you can say right today I want to play as a tank, and you don't even <laughs> play that. But then you can be like I can play as the same character the next day, and I want to be sort of more like high damage, but you know low defenses and. You sort of fly around and it's in this sort of sci-fi setting where the last of humanity is sort of trapped in one city kind of thing and you go outside the walls and there's sort of like wild animals and that sort of thing. Um, I, I played a lot of Destiny. Like a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot of Destiny. 
will play a lot of Destiny 2 when that comes out later <laughs> this year. And then Anthem will be late 2018, which will be about when I've run out of Destiny 2 to play. And I'll be ready to play a lot of Anthem. <laughs> and then hopefully a year after that, Destiny 3. So I'll just continue <laughs> just on a nice going. little loop. <laughs> I'm going to watch your uh, holiday allocation with uh, great interest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it Nintendo time? Uh, I think Lewis might have a couple uh, brief VR. A, brief go on, go on, no, no, VR VR hit, hit me with them, hit me with yeah. them. Let's go with the VR. So, it's, it's Bethesda. Bethesda is is, is the uh, the place to go for VR this year, yeah. apparently. Um, so, last year they announced Fallout 4 VR, yeah. um, which was a very exciting concept for those with a HTC Vive, because at that point there wasn't much in the way of games for VR, because it had only been out for a couple of months, and yeah. you know that was the first big AAA game that was going to come to VR. It was all like short experiences before yeah. that, the idea of something like big, open, you could play 100 hours in yeah, this. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was very exciting, then nothing was said for months and months and months, and I just thought it kind of dropped off the radar, but yeah. lo and behold, E3 2017... Fallout 4 VR is coming later on this year, and it's going to be the full Fallout 4 game, so you can explore everywhere that you did on consoles, but in VR, you can, you can use both your hands, because it's HTC Vive, you've got the um, room scale tracking, so you can oh, walk around, wow. yeah, yeah. physically bend down, jump up and down, you know, punch people, all that kind of stuff. You can be able to do that physically, and it'll be emulated in the game. Okay, so then how does that work, um, moving around the world? Yeah, that's the uh, teleportation system. Okay. Um, so, so I think this is something they might still be working on, I'm not they, they haven't confirmed what it's going to be yet, but... Um, based on kind of hands-on stuff like that, they're saying it's a mix of uh, teleportation, so point and click, and you'll teleport to that location. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are also uh, toying with adding a few exper- um, a few um, kind of experimental uh, motion systems where you can kind of use the trackpad on the motion control to kind of move in a certain direction and stuff like that. I mean, but that the issue is with that is that it can induce motion sickness quite easily. Yeah. <laughs> so that's only for kind of hardcore VR they, users. <laughs> this, this is me from a very uh, non-gaming perspective. Would they ever make it like, you know, like Time Crisis? Where you just well, move automatically. No, I can't. I hate, hate VR stuff, things like that <laughs> on rails. Yeah. I can't stand them. Um, but I mean, you know, some people like them because they, they want the gentle experience in VR. Yeah. But as someone that's, you know, been doing this VR thing for over a year now, I'm ready for the, the AAA kind of explore everywhere, be in it for hours yeah, on end. Just not <laughs> something that actively makes you chunder. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to be sick. That's the main Always thing. up for those experiences. But there was also um, a two new editions this year. So they've also announced Doom VR. And no. Skyrim VR as well. But yeah. Skyrim VR was not announced during Bethesda's press conference. That was announced during Sony's because, rather annoyingly, it's a PlayStation VR exclusive. Oh. Yeah. Which is really... I don't really get that because it seems that the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive have much better hand-controlled uh, mm. hand con- uh, mm. controllers and the tracking system's more accurate. So I'm not really sure where they're going with that, but fair play. I think they're going with Sony's giant bank account. Yep, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the yeah, volume but, of... Yeah, poten- volume of potential customers as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. there are already yeah. more than a million PlayStation VRs out there. So yeah, really impressive. It's, it's a big install base. Um, yeah, I think I think Nintendo, Nintendo all over the it's shop. Nintendo time. Yeah, go on, uh, Mario. Yeah, so uh, new trailer for Super Mario Odyssey, which is the big new Switch Mario platformer. He's, he's in New York now. He, he's in New Donk City. Brilliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's put a donk on it. Yeah. Donk on it. <laughs> Uh, it, it it looks pretty nuts. So it's coming out in October, late October. Um, the the chief gimmick this time around is uh, hats. It's a hat themed game. Great. So not only Love can you access games. a variety of hats, you can get like a top hat or a sombrero uh, or a yeah. builder's hat, things does like that, or a safari the, uh, hat. Does it turn you into the um, stereotype of each of these? You do get different abilities based on those, but I don't. Get on the sombrero. <laughs> I've always thought there's, not, not, enough, there. there's yeah. not enough hat games out there. No, oh, yeah, but... it's a poorly catered <laughs> market. <laughs> it's a it's a niche but important demographic. <laughs> and Nintendo has attacked the hat the hat 
sort of theme on, on two fronts. So not only are there multiple hats to get, but when you're using the main Mario hat, yeah. it's now semi-sentient. It's got eyes on it, and they're calling it Cappy. It's uh, a creepy. It scary. is a bit creepy. You can throw it at enemies, yeah. and then, well, not even just enemies, you can throw it at other things and then possess them. Okay. So what happens there, essentially, so Mario, so he throws his hat at a Goomba, that classic little like brown mushroom enemy, and then you've got a Goomba walking around with a Mario moustache and a Mario cap that you're controlling. Right. Uh, that's sort of odd enough, but they've taken it way beyond just the normal Mario enemies you'd expect, like Goombas and Koopas. You can throw it at the creepy, sort of almost realistic-looking humans in New Donk City. You can throw it at the yellow taxi cab, so you can be a Mario, a little yellow New York taxi cab with a Mario hat and a moustache. So you can throw it at a dinosaur. You can be a T-Rex in a tiny Mario hat. So it's something to me like a massive open world, like you know Mario sixty four. Yeah, it's but it's way more interactive. Yeah, it's going down that kind of big Mario sixty four huge worlds. Uh, lots of different they're kind of kingdoms. To it. So there's New Donk City, the realistic one. There's this dinosaur world. There's a Mexican Day of the Dead themed world, and there'll be a few more. The plot is that Bowser is going to marry Princess Peach, and the bosses throughout the game are all of his wedding planners. <laughs> I rate that actually. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, that's, that's, okay. that's I'm actually on board now. Is that not the plot? Like since time immemorial. Yeah. yeah, but now they're really like explicitly. There's a wedding. Like Bowser's in a tu- in a white tuxedo. <laughs> uh, it looks pretty amazing. He's got to ruin his. My, wedding. my biggest question about this is: so for all these years, have I actually been controlling Mario's hat instead of Mario <laughs> yeah, in all right. these old good games? Nice. Is he just along for the ride? Possible. Can he not just take the hat off? Yeah. You know? Does he have an eagle? I don't think so. <sighs> but I don't that know, maybe you can, maybe you really can throw a hat at an eagle and control the eagle <laughs> yeah. in a tiny Mario hat. <laughs> Nintendo are probably working on that right now. And this is exclusive to Switch. Exclusive to Switch and out at the end of October. Nice. Uh, that's not the only Mario thing, though. I want some oh, no. brief mention for a real oddity that I'm surprisingly wait, wait, Before you with. do that, Scott, do you know what a rabid is? Yeah. <laughs> I do not. Because neither did I. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom <laughs> Battle is on the way. A, a rabbit is, uh, that's with a D rather than a T. Yep. It's a sort of wacky rabbit character that uh, Ubisoft uh, made a few years ago. It was a spin-off from Rayman. And they basically make these sort of very uh, kind of generic and obnoxious party games with them. Yeah. Um, uh, kids kids love them. They were terrible. Like really annoying rabbit things. <laughs> what, the kids? With like, <laughs> like <Yeah>. teeth. <laughs> uh, but they, they just sort of, yeah, this Mario and Rabbids crossover, which came out of nowhere, seems really odd. It's got stuff like Mario's using a laser gun. Like Mario never uses guns. It's all really weird. And everyone, it was leaked a lot before E3, and the, everyone was sort of looking at this. This is clearly going to be awful. And then they showed the first gameplay footage, and it looks really, really good. <laughs> yeah, sometimes these things just, they all just work. So know? it's like a tactical combat thing, which is really unexpected. It's like uh, XCOM or Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. It's like turn-based grid strategy combat right. with like the Mario characters, and like this like destructible cover system. There's this great like. Uh, movement mechanic where your characters can leapfrog each other, which makes like the it, like the strategy around your team even more important than a lot of those games. Like, it could be really good, and I'm just confused by that. I was expecting to hate it, and uh, it's suddenly one of my E3 highlights. Nice, and I don't know why. It's a bold statement. <laughs> um, but the last big Nintendo news is on two fronts: uh, double whammy of Metroid games. Wham! Which is really exciting because I haven't played Metroid games in years. So yeah. we've got Metroid Prime Four in development for the Switch. We know nothing about it except uh, they found the hastily assembled logo yep. uh, and said it's in development. Um, but then uh, Metroid Samus Returns for the 3DS, uh, which is, I think, a remake of Metroid 2. Is that it's right? It's a remake of the Game Boy game Metroid 2, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Um, but quite like a, I think they've taken liberties with the remake. It's not they've added new features. They've oh, got yeah, like totally. a melee counter. Yeah, so like yeah, the original Game Boy game is called Return of Samus. So yeah. this is just called Samus Returns. But I mean, they got a good track record of. Um, remaking metroid games and making them like you just completely replayable even if you know them back to front like they did metroid zero mission for the yeah. game boy and that was the original metroid game just redone but like yeah obviously the 3ds is slightly better than the original game boy yeah um and you got yeah tons more controls and stuff it looks great and 3d graphics yeah looks very cool and, and the, i think the best surprise about that is no one knew this game was on the way yeah and they revealed it during e3 and said it's coming out in september yeah it's ready like, three months away but it's you know that's, that's nice that's to so see, because uh, would you generally say that E3 this year has been quite a lot of, here's another trailer, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, lots of trailers, and, and lots of them ending with 2018. Yeah, yeah. it's the old so Red Dead thing, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. Yeah. Here's some more pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't care. <laughs> Just give me a demo. But overall, time. like, you, you pleased? You guys have been pretty excited all week. I mean, it's it's been an interesting week. There's some good trailers out, but in terms of new game announcements, I've... I've didn't think it was as good as last year. I mean, okay. I don't know if that's controversial yeah. or not. But. Yeah. No, I think I think this this year's felt a bit like it's a consolidation. Loads of stuff was announced last year, and then no news on any of it for twelve months, and it feels like a lot of oh, now here's the actual gameplay footage from that game we gave you a cinematic for last year. Yeah. yeah. But actual new announcement this year have been thin on the ground. Anthem and Beyond Good and Evil Two are the big ones, mm. and then like Metroid Prime Four, but there's not even any footage of that. It really does you know. sound like we just like collectively have to clear our diaries for 2018 because it's going to be yeah the end of the year. <laughs> it's going to be oh, wait, so Scott and Lewis are both PlayStation guys, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. You Xbox? I've got a PS4 and, and the Nintendo stuff. Okay, yeah. so no one's going to buy the Xbox One X in this room then. No. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. I've got the Pro. <laughs> nice one, Microsoft. Um, well, on that note, uh, Dominic Preston, game or lame? Uh, game Lewis always game and Scott game cool four games brilliant we'll be right back to talk about Uber okay so we all use Uber but it's usually in the news for the wrong reasons and uh, not quite so much as it has been recently <laughs> am I right Scott Carey yeah in this week's edition of oh what have they done now <laughs> um, Uber have lost another raft of top executives um, including their very much under fire CEO, Travis Kalanick, who has been sort of clinging on to power um, for the entirety of the year as the company has weathered bad um, PR after bad PR. Um, he's finally decided to take a uh, undisclosed leave of absence, which is um, pretty big news. Um, sort of everything that has happened at Uber has been on his watch and there's been a lot of pressure um, from outside the company and at board level for him to uh, step away and sort of let an adult take charge. Um, <laughs> but also, just on a serious note, his mum was also tragically Yeah, killed, I was so. going to say, yeah. So, um, I mean, his his mum um, was killed in an accident um, fairly recently and his dad is also in hospital. So he is um, taking some personal time as well to yeah. sort of um, deal with that. Um, so Doesn't make what he did okay. No, it's always, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a case of terrible timing um, yeah. on, on both fronts for him. But um, it... It'll be really interesting now to see how Uber sort of fills the massive personality gap that there is at the top of the company because Kalanick is Uber and everything that's um, sort of happened to Uber is is down to him. The the, the macho, aggressive, bro-ish, do-anything-for-the-sake-of-growth culture is is very much all Kalanick's doing. Um, and now um, they, they really need to try and shift gears. Um, so just for people who aren't quite up to speed... Yeah, go for it. Um, I, I think maybe about three months ago, but basically near the beginning of the year, one of their former engineers named Susan Fowler um, wrote a blog post, quite a long blog post about there being like a pervasive 
um, sexual um, harassment culture at Uber. Um, yeah, we talked about it on the pod. I coming, remember. yeah, coming all the way from the top. Um, she she quit. She went to Stripe, um, the payment startup, and since then, um, it, there's been a uh, a report uh, overtaken by an independent um, committee uh, looking by Eric Holder, who's the former Attorney General of the US, looking yep. at the um, sort of cultural issues. And um, on Tuesday morning, they um, released to staff 13 pages of recommendations from that report into how they're going to try and deal with um, the, the cultural issues that the company has. Um, easier said than done, obviously, like culture can't be changed overnight. Um, but Kalanick stepping away um, is, is a big step in that. And who they replace him with will be will be absolutely massive. Because um, in his in his notes to um, to his employees, yeah. there was the sort of distributed, I don't think it was even leaked. Um, he yeah, just I think said, it was an did, open letter. Yeah, he said like people at the top of the company will be taking charge. So, are you saying that these people won't hold power and they will actually appoint an interim CEO? I think they'll they'll have to appoint an interim CEO, and it will have to be a fairly big name. It'll have to be someone with a really good track record. Could it be Marissa Mayer? It won't. The timings work, Scott. It would be it would be a phenomenal story, and as a journalist, I want it to happen more than anything. <laughs> so it has crossed your mind? Oh God, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's been talked about. It's been very much really? talked about. Oh, I was just joking. Um, <laughs> and, but the thing is, I just, I just don't think she'll do it. I mean, it's it's. She's, after... got, she's got a little bit of cash, so yeah. she's probably fine. She'll she'll go and be a VC somewhere. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, it's it's the biggest poison chalice of all poison chalices, yes. and she's already done that at Yahoo. So I'm not <laughs> sure she wants to do it again. Because um, they they're shedding uh, employees left, right, and centre there, and not not yeah. just, not just in the, in the ranks, like at the top. Yeah. So I, I think um, twenty people um, have left or been fired. Um, Brilliant. since the the release of um, Susan Fowler's blog post. And that includes um, sort of uh, one quarter of their traditional C-suite. So they're currently hiring a COO. Uh, they're currently hiring a new CRO. They, they've, they're without a CEO. Um, they, they've um, shed board members. They've shed um, high-profile staff. Basically, all of Kalanick's sort of leading advisors within the company, uh, which he calls the A-team. Uh, most of those wow. guys have, and they are guys, uh, most of those guys have <laughs> left the company as well. So um, there, there, there's been a huge clearing of the boards. Um, one uh, interesting little tidbit, uh, basically... Um, I love this. So there was a all hands meeting at the company on Tuesday, uh, intended to bring staff up to date with what the thirteen recommendations of the whole report were in terms of how they're going to try and turn the company around yeah. and get rid of the sort of culture of um, sexism and sexual harassment. Um, during that meeting, um, one of the board members, uh, Mr. Bonderman, who's from TPG Capital, which is a venture capitalist firm. He um, responded to uh, a comment that Arianna Huffington, who's on the board as well, made saying, basically, we need more female people on the board because the more female people you get, the more diversity you get. That's what she said, right? That's what she said. He responded during an all hands meeting designed to make sure that there wasn't any sexual, uh, any sexist remarks being made. He said, no, what that will do will end up with more talking. (laughs) Which (laughs) Which was then leaked. Silence to the room, apparently. Yeah. Uh, there were people everyone was like absolutely left aghast at this meeting he um, quickly resigned from the board like almost <laughs> almost comically quickly like I think within a couple of hours of the meeting wow. he had resigned from the board and um, apologised and there had been complaints about him made to HR from various people sat in that meeting um, so I mean that just tells you all you need to know about yeah. what is happening yeah. at Uber like in a meeting designed to stop this from happening 
someone makes a sexist remark <laughs> at the board level. So, I mean, that that's the that's the issue they're grappling with here. Yeah, it's just completely in-ground sexism in the... Yeah, the, 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 just the people that they he surrounded himself with, like you say. Yeah. So is it going to take somebody coming in, or potentially someone who's already there, who can just hire a different breed of people or have they just mixed in with this wrong crowd i think i think it's more cultural so i, I even richard branson was coming out of the woodwork yesterday he was at an event and someone asked him what he thought about it and he said that kalanick should have stepped away years ago mm. um before this all happened and let and sort of a more experienced um silicon valley ceo take over and let kalanick do what kalanick does which is basically just um aggressively pursue growth of the company yeah um but maybe sort of put you know some some guardrails up for him mm-hmm. um, because it's his company he never had any guardrails he did whatever he wanted um as i said earlier i mean i literally have no idea who could do this job but it would <laughs> it would take um quite a lot of reorganization of the company and and basically they need to put in the problem with susan fowler is that she made multiple complaints about there being sexual harassment while she was at the company and they were just ignored because there were no HR systems in place. There were no protections for her. Basically, it was if you're the best engineer, if you're a high performer, you get away with more than if you're a low performer or if you're a woman. Like that is exactly how the company was set up. So it needs to be completely rebuilt. The systems need to be put in place and they need to be extremely serious about it. Um, the, The other thing is like, None of this really seems to affect Uber, the company. I was just about yeah. to ask. I was just about to ask. Are there any numbers on whether or not people are catching fewer Ubers? So there was a. I mean, there was a delete Uber hashtag that did the rounds um, at the beginning of the year when a lot of this was kicking off. Uh, there were other reasons as well, which I can't be bothered to go into, but like other um, bad PR that they've had all year. Yeah. But then, um, I mean, they don't release their figures because they're not a public company. Uh, True. But uh, most. Um, most most guys that have gone and looked and tried to get some insight into this have shown that maybe 200,000 people have deleted Uber since. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably less than half a million tops. And for a company uh, the size and scale of Uber like that, that really is that not going to dent their top line. No. Um, the drivers don't seem to care because, you know, they do it for a living. Riders yeah. don't seem to care because there isn't really an alternative, especially in this country. Yeah. Um, I think Lyft are seeing a little bit of a pickup in business in the US because they... Um, do the same thing essentially but with slightly more of a social conscience uh but other than that i i don't really think that um outside of sort of tech and business circles anyone really knows or cares yeah. about um how badly organized and run a company uber is yeah it's, it's, it's kind of um awareness of its of its problems quite like you say quite localized because it yeah. got it got front page above the fold on the new york times yesterday mm. yesterday which is pretty pretty big but obviously new york and then san francisco as well are uber central as is london but like sometimes like i i, I still meet relatives who don't know what uber is yeah because they, yeah. they don't live in london so yeah. it doesn't really make like like they say like national news sometimes i don't know yeah i'd Depends say he's reading it i don't know yeah i'd say it's an interesting de- uh, definition between uber the service and uber the company Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, like Uber the company if it was a publicly traded company it would have definitely seen a na- massive hit to its stock price recently mm. um, because that's sort of how that works but actually in terms of usage and public perception I think it pretty much is localised um, it's interesting you mentioned the New York Times because um, it's worth shouting out Mike Isaac yeah. at the New York Times who covers Uber 
um, to a sort of extent which makes me feel exhausted just reading it. Um, <laughs> he's, he's tireless. Yeah, he's absolutely tireless. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, he's well worth following on Twitter just to see, like, just to keep up with like the ridiculousness that is Uber. And and I'm pretty sure that when he took that beat on, he wouldn't have expected it to be as lively um, a beat as mm. it is. Um, it basically is a news story every day for him <laughs> in terms of someone leaving or someone saying something absolutely abhorrent. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's his story that was on the on the front page, obviously. Yeah. Um, and do you think, or do you know, uh, whether the company was intending to try and go public in, in the coming months? And Obviously, it can't right now. Yeah. But, and it, but is Kalanick so controlling that he didn't even want to do that? He didn't want to. I mean, he, he liked having control of the company. Um, and he's he's constantly said that he has no intention of taking it public. I, I don't see why they would go public, to be honest. Like, they, they've got... They're swimming in cash. Um, people are so willing to invest in it. Um, they're, they're at no point anywhere near being profitable, which is quite important um, when you want to go public. I mean, not <laughs> that not that important if you're Snapchat. <laughs> who are nowhere near um, profitable either, and that didn't stop them from going very successfully public. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think that's very far off their list of priorities at the moment. Um, it's very much a a turnaround job at the moment in terms of corporate culture and and the way that the company is run, um, and it won't happen overnight. Uh, I I don't think Kalanick's really helped um, by not putting um, any sort of distinct timings on his on his leave of absence so he hasn't yeah. really he hasn't really made any recommendations to to, you know, to public knowledge of who should step up um he hasn't put a timeline on it which basically puts anyone into that job with um a really unenviable task of basically having a big job to do but not knowing how long they've got to do it um so <laughs> probably it, not wanting to do it either but then yeah. again with the kind of people that we've been seeing coming coming out of the woodwork is it is it just going to be a big bunch of abhorrent men fighting over the CEO role? <laughs> I, I, it, it, it's just like they really, really should hire a woman to this job. Like, and mm, like yeah. they, they would be absolutely insane not to. Um, it's just whether there's a, um, a, a woman out there that wants to do it, <laughs> be a woman out there that has the sort of um, experience. Are you, sure, are, you, are you sure about that, though? Do you think if they not hired a woman at this point, is it kind of like a damned if they do, damned if they don't? Because if they do, it's going to be like, well, they've just done that because, you know, they're all sexist. So Yeah. But I if mean, they, they hire are. a man, they're like, you're sexist. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they very much are damned if they do, damned if they don't. I think they'll be slightly less damned if they hire a woman to yeah. do the job. <laughs> less, the, there you go, guys, slightly less damned. Yeah, the problem is, like, there, there really just aren't that many... Um, sort of very successful female CEOs in, in Silicon okay, Valley. There is one is just... Uh... There is one. It <laughs> just walked off into the sunset with $23 million. $23 million. Um, wow. That's a lot of Ubers. That is, that is a lot of Ubers. I'm sure they don't pay for their own Ubers. No. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just watch this space. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating uh, for me um, what's going to happen over the, over the next six months um, of the year for that company. Yeah. Has it stopped you guys using Uber? Do you guys use Uber? Uh, every now and again I wouldn't say I use it religiously or anything like that. it's just if I'm caught out late night then I'll just grab yeah. one yeah yeah I'm, I'm a pretty pretty sporadic user I'm, I'm not sure if I have used one over the past few months but I certainly haven't made a choice not to because this, of all this this is what annoys me about Uber I still it? use Uber yeah. and I'll, I'll, I'll slag them off left right and centre yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm aware, I'm aware of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I said I'm, I'm completely aware of their wrongdoing but like it's so annoying because it's a really good idea yeah. and if they got it right and had all their you know those funny things called morals in place <laughs> but also not with not not just with the board level and everything that's that's come out in the past few months but just the way that they treat their drivers Driver is historically yeah. Yeah. pretty bad yeah. and it, 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 it it's a great idea 
there's been a, terribly implemented by terrible people. Yeah, there's a really interesting counterpoint, um, and it, it, this don't, this will no, at no point scale to the point that Uber will scale. But basically, in Austin, Texas, um, a few months ago, uh, Uber and Lyft got banned from the state because they weren't willing to fingerprint their drivers for background checks. So they basically both those ride-hailing companies left the state or left the city. But the city had already got used to ride hailing. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's been to Austin, it's got a very um, lively sort of bar culture. So like lift, um, using ride hailing uh, services became very popular in Austin. Um, so then there were lots of people that were ride hailing drivers yep. who were suddenly out of work. Uh, a new company came out of nowhere called Ride Austin. Um, and it, the interesting thing about Ride Austin is that it's a non-profit. Um, so they pay their drivers a lot better than Uber and Lyft. And then anything they make in profit goes to Austin-based charities or infrastructure projects. Um, so that, I think that's a really interesting yeah. model. Uh, the great thing is that now Uber and Lyft are allowed back into Austin because they changed the laws again. They're not actually getting their market share back because the drivers would rather stay with Ride Austin because yeah. they mm-hmm. get a better deal. So I think proving out that model in Austin is really interesting and that might start to scale across the US and maybe into other co- uh, countries in terms of running it as a non-profit rather than running it as a sort of big corporate machine like Uber yeah. did. Interesting. Thank you very much for the uh, overview. Yeah. We will watch with, uh, what's the word? Interest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's getting, re- it's getting really hot in here. <laughs> Scott Kerry, Kalanick or Kalonic? <laughs> Uh, colonic. <laughs> Lewis. Colonic. Dom. It's got to be a colonic. What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> got my big payoff. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you, uh, Scott and Lewis and Dom. And we will be back next week for episode 66. Say goodbye, guys. See ya. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast.